This podcast is brought to you by LOETB Community Education Service. Two country lads come from a, a farm, a small farming background, and worked hard all their lives, and came into board the mono when. The opportunity arose and I often heard them saying that they were sorry that it took so long to come to board the money, that they weren't in it sooner, but it probably didn't suit or whatever at the time. But there were two very strong men, two very strong people, hugely powerful. To pinpoint that, uh, in the earlier days again in development, the two boys were ploughing in a different area and there was a serviceman uh, would bring around diesel and engine oil and water and so on and so forth. So I can remember the serviceman pulling up in an area one evening and I was with him and he said to me, I have to leave off a barrel of diesel here for the two boys, the two Hickey brothers, they're ploughing. And I'm, I'm tied for time now this evening. He says, will I drop it off here? And they were mile up the bog and they could see one of them waving and then the next lad waved and he took it that that was okay drop off the barrel there but um, <coughs> they kept waving a bit anyway but he let down the side of the trailer and rolled the barrel off down off of the edge of the road down into the fall of the bog and the barrel rolled out about 10 yards or whatever before it stopped now this was pure bog there was no drains or no gravel areas or no nothing like that. And a barrel of full barrel of diesel would be, I don't know, six or seven hundred weight, maybe something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure of the exact weight. But um, they kept waving and waving anyway. And uh, uh, PJ was the lad's name. The service man PJ said, "God, I better wait till they come down. I think he says they might want something else. They're waving at." So it took them so long to come down anyway, and. Uh, they came to near us and one of them came over and said God we were only after getting diesel early this morning and we're moving from here to that other bog over there and it's over there we wanted it and PJ looked at me and said any chance of you getting it hauled over by a bulldozer or a sleigh, you couldn't drive in a tractor you just couldn't back in the trailer you couldn't go off the road because you were on a, a main road and the two lads looked at one another and I knew that they were hatching a plan between them, didn't say much and they turned around to say, the service man and said let down the side of that trailer and we'll see what we can do and the two of them walked over one at each end of the barrel got a good grasp of it lifted it up walked up the trailer now the trailer would have been shoulder height because they had to walk up and incline at least. And one of them said to me, give me a back, give us a back shove. And they lifted it up and put it back into the trailer and closed the, the side cart of the trailer in case it rolled out. And I looked at the service man, he hardly had moved and he was as white as a sheep. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, just imagine, he said, if you got into bother with either them two or the two of them, he says, oh, you didn't up. <laughs> He says, I'm frightened. <laughs> so 
they they thought nothing of it just to put it back up and make it handier to to, to deliver to another area, a different area. Just those two guys, they they saw a way of doing everything or doing getting to getting the problem solved. In other words, two very the, genuine. The original people. engineers of our time and physically well able to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was it hard? Was it physical? I mean, we know it was outdoors, but. Hard it was hard work. It was hard work. Walking the bog now, and you're walking on a sponge all day long for eight hours is hard work alone, and replacing a lass or two that had been knocked down and to replenish it down along. And in the earlier days, then there was winches on these ploughs, but at this stage they had advanced to hydraulics that you could pull a lever and the plough would come up and catch and drive on, but. One time when you got to the headland, you had to winch up this plough out of the bog. So it was hugely um, laborious and uh, you needed strength to do it. And it probably took two lads. Even even the earlier machines were all operated by winches, winches and things like that. So, yeah, uh, the drainage was all laborious work, uh, labour. Um, you just had to work in... Then they introduced uh, a system called Peace Rate, and uh, you got paid for what you do. Was that a good thing? Oh, to it was a good not? system because, like, like everything, some lads are better than most. Some of them have more uh, strength and be more used to it. Like you know, they're nearly all country lads with small bits of land, all hard workers, and so on and so forth, and. That was the way at the time. You you worked your shovel or you worked the fork or whatever. And the biggest problem with that was that the bog was so soft, you'd have a what they call a footboard with your two. And when you take up the footboard or take your weight off it, the bog would come up with you. And if the supervisor didn't uh, measure it while you were digging it, there was always a row. There was always a row over digging oh you didn't dig it deep enough but you go back and put the footboard in it and stand on it and to go down to the point nine of a metre and step off it then to come up that was so soft like you know so it always created a row especially if the supervisor had a had a bad night the night before or their team were beaten or whatever <laughs> you know yourself <laughs> yes you did no, no but the you know, with all the different parishes represented by people, there were ma- huge numbers of people and counties. Then in Blackwater, for instance, you had four counties, Offaly, Roscommon, Galway, and people from Westmead. You were in all four counties. And it's amazing the different culture and the different systems. And uh, if you had time or um sense enough to listen to what what way to do things and you know encourage them to to work smarter work better uh, and get the job done still uh, you know everybody had a different view or different idea okay there was people then that just couldn't manage that and uh, there wasn't much for them until machinery came in. I saw people having to be trained to drive tractors because they didn't have them at home. There was no machinery at home in the earlier days. Everybody everybody nearly had to be trained to drive a tractor. 
and then other machines and there was couple of machine driving instructors that were there to to highlight the do's and don'ts as regards machinery because again unique industry unique machinery unique type of um, instruction and experience because you could drive out a machine out of the workshop and you mightn't get a hundred yards in it to be buried to its neck and that happened too on occasions (laughs) Several sinks, several bad sinks. So, but How big a job was the retrieval of the, the equipment that went down, or did they leave it there sometimes? No, um, I never saw one uh, left totally, but I did hear of a few that was left. Uh, but I did see where we had what we call the bulldozer D4, went totally underground. And the water flowed over the top of the cab. And it went down and down. That you go in with what we call a ranging rod. Five foot red and white pole. And you try to see where it was in the morning. It was gone. But we got, it was, we got out. We got out. How far would that be down? 12 to 15 feet. From the bottom of the track, you know. It's at the bottom of the track. Somebody that doesn't know about the bog, that seems like a huge distance that something could go down overnight. Yeah, it went in a slap. Um, Just to highlight that, um, when they were doing the motorway from Port Leash to Limerick, um, there was a high mac buried in the bog somewhere along there for 25 years. And... uh, a guy from my part of the country went down and salvaged it because he knew what to do. And it was 25 years there. There was an appeal sent out by the owners of it to see could they help out and it was taken out. Would the bog preserve machinery as well as it preserves oak and N- people no. sometimes? No, it would rust like hell in it. Would it? Yeah. Steel and... Well, it's fascinating how it preserves people, though. Because of the absence of of air within the system and the acidity of the bog, it's not mineral soil. So the acidity preserves trees, bog oak, and human bodies, and has done for years, thousands of years maybe. Bog butter. We came across bog butter numerous times, buried in the bog where people... In the olden times, um, the cow only milked for about six months of the year because they didn't have continuous grass and feed. There was no feed. There was just enough, maybe, of uh, hay or whatever to keep the animal alive over the winter time. But the cow wouldn't milk. But they'd make the butter during the summertime, put it in some sort of a casket or timber urn or whatever, bring it down and bury it in a certain area of the bog and retrieve it during the winter time. And it was quite edible. I came across um, bog butter, and I don't know, it was hundreds of years there. It was like chalk. We tasted it three or four years. We're still alive anyway, so... You don't look too bad. <laughs> it didn't kill us anyway, so that's all I... It preserved you. <laughs> well, I should have eaten more, but maybe... <laughs> You're doing all right. <laughs> Were you aware of that, I think, that, that this was or is at the time this is a very special place is, do, are we 
Were you always aware of that? Did you always know that you were in a place of some... It was special. Oh, yeah, you were in a special place. I'd say, I'd say nearly everybody that worked in the company is outdoors anyway. Different when you're in the office and accounts and clerks and workshop and so on. It was different scene. But out the bog, out in the open air, yes, you were in different scene, especially at night. Especially at night. We worked sometimes 24 hours a day. Now, you'd be out there in daylight, everything grand, get your location, look where you are. But when the sun went down and the stars came out, totally, totally different scene. And I saw the finest of hardy men, as we'd say, lose concentration, lose their sense of um, where they'd be. And some of them would even become terrified at night. Terrified at night. Now, especially if you had a large group of people and somebody telling ghost stories when they were in at the tea break, that really rounded it off altogether. And believe me, that did happen. That happened on numerous occasions, telling stories. And they wouldn't understand that some people were nervous or frightened or afraid uh, during the day the finest in broad daylight could see where they were going but at night time totally different and I can honestly say and I, I worked a lot at night as well I never saw anything worse than myself out there what did you see out there? <laughs> that's a lot of other stories um You'd hear things at night, you'd hear... Um, Will of the Wisp. Well, you, you see that, that was the gases escaping from the bog at different times in different areas. Will of the Wisp, Jack of the Lantern. And the stories used to go that um, people going home from Ramlin houses in years gone by used to follow this Will of the Wisp. And it would take them, lead them astray rather than lead them home. They thought it was a, a light near home or whatever. But they used to lead, lead them astray because it would move all the time. It was moving. So, yeah, saw that from time to time. Not too often, but a couple of times. Scary? Yeah, scary, all right. Yeah, scary. And... I suppose in our younger days you'd be always warned by your parents and your grandparents in particular don't wander off don't fall into a bog hole don't jump into swimming it or anything like that because you'll never be seen again so that more or less was kind of uh, normal to everybody every young child and everything but unfortunately uh, it did happen from time to time did happen from time to time yeah outdoors is special as I say I saw the the hardiest of men and toughest of men and at night time different a story um, many years ago um, Bordemona developed a new type harvester called a type 6 and it was a big high machine self driven not like what they have today they're mainly towed like farm machinery behind them harvesters and so on but this was a huge machine and great machine but difficult to drive and if it did sink 
you had a sink, you had a serious sink. And some lads, older personnel, they'd be looking at them and they'd say, well, they'll, they'll sink in the high road. That means they're not suitable for the bog or whatever. There were certain sayings within the company that you'd kind of recognise. But anyway, um, being a supervisor and I was in a new area that came from development into production and I knew the area like the back of my hand. Um, the driver on the late shift, as I say, a tough individual, afraid of nothing, uh, went down to him to collect him for his tea at just at dusk, maybe 11 o'clock, I think it was. And we were, we were working late into the night. <clears throat> and he coming down the steps, he'd be about 20 feet off the ground, coming down the steps, maybe more. Uh, I said to him, make sure and turn off the lights because there were strong lights in the machine and they'd run down the battery. And we'd be gone, take 15 minutes to get back to the tea centre, have his tea and a bit of comfort and back. It could be nearly an hour by the time, from the time you'd leave the machine till you'd be back. And as we were going uphill and down dale and valleys and that, coming back, we had a good bit to go. We're just, just at the tea centre and I looked behind and here was the lights on in the machine and he did turn them off and I said PJ did you forget to turn off the lights I had to ask him no I didn't he said and I said look what's that there's someone on that machine so I said you go in and have your tea now and I'll go back because if we leave the lights on the battery will be down and there'll be no more work I said we don't want that anyway I want to make more money went back and turned off the lights on the harvester wheeled around and came back as fast as I could and he was just coming out of the tea centre ready to go back to work and I picked him up when we went up over a little hill again and looked off in the distance and here was the lights on again in the machine and he says to me I don't think I'm going back there tonight. I said, sure, we have to go back and turn off the lights. <laughs> if if you're not driving the harvester, we may all go home. Do you know, if you're working harvesting the petit, a piece, returning Kylo's lifted, you go home. And we went down, they never spoke. And uh, went to the machine again, turned off the lights, and they turned off normally, go up and the engine just about started but it did revved it up for a minute turned on all the lights everything working now I said work away he said you better stay in the headland here now to see you go up and down to see that everything is alright for fuel. and I said why is she you're not afraid well he said somebody was turning on and off the lights but as, as it happened electrician was out would do the normal routine from area to area um, each day and check these little things and so on and we checked out <laughs> the switch at the bottom of the stairs and it used to turn off the thing but didn't stay and it would flick back but everybody thought there was a ghost or there was somebody there and it was it was people frightened that night but that's what happened you see you kind of have to I don't think it. it was a tripping switch at all you're messing with me there was a ghost the ghost of the machine wait was, was superstitions are a huge part of Irish people's of Make us uh, uh, culturally yeah superstitions are a um, 
on the bog were you superstitious were you more so were you more in tune with nature and, and the changing of the seasons which would have been the way our ancestors around here were like did you did you feel it was different or did you feel yeah the area was different the location was different the job was different the culture was different but you did learn fairly quickly there was three kind of commandments in Bordnemona when you started you brought your shovel when you started you brought your lunch box whatever you had to eat and you brought rain gear and if you didn't have either the three especially your shovel you didn't have it uh, work if you didn't have your lunchbox well you starved all day <laughs> and if you didn't have rain gear and it rained you got drowned so you learned fairly quickly supervisors and that I kind of took a, a huge interest in the weather conditions and the rain and the direction of the wind and all the rest of it and uh, you could tell like our ancestors well that wind is blowing loads of rain like let's get the job done as quick as we can change the, the the meal breaks if possible lads look at it's going to rain so we'll try and get this done and when it rains we can have our teen comfort and whatever time I call it you know so now some lads wouldn't see that they insist on having their tea break and that was it but most lads most lads saw it there was kind of central weather stations there was one in Bora and one in Derry Greena and then Blackwater had their own a recording station it wouldn't predict the weather but you'd have the atmospheric pressure and the rainfall and the drying and so on you record that everywhere and then we got to the stage we had a little um, copper funnel and uh, copper cylinder and you take your own rainfall and if the rainfall was under 2 millimeters, and the day was drying it looked like you could have some production that day but if it was four or five millimeters or six millimeters that day was literally gone as regards production you know it was it wouldn't dry out in time until tomorrow this podcast is brought to you by LOETB Community Education Service